behind me this morning. It's chilly. Uh, but I'm so glad to see you guys. Uh, I'm Trevor Burrow. I'm the associate pastor here uh, at Talitha Baptist. If you're driving up with us for the first time, a welcome home. We're happy to have you. I'm excited to worship with you this morning. Uh, church family, uh, first thing I wanted to mention to you guys, uh, this is a sad one. Um, if you hadn't heard, uh, we lost Leo Watts uh, this weekend. Uh, if you're thinking of uh, Sylvia, please reach out to her. Pray for her. Pray for that family. Uh, he was a, a faithful member here, and he was a faithful deacon, um, and uh, this is a hard one for us. So I wanted to let you guys know that. I also wanted to let you know that the funeral uh, is going to be Thursday, this coming Thursday at 2 p.m., and it's going to be here in the sanctuary. Uh, so if you'd like to come to that, you can. Make sure uh, uh, everyone stays safe as you come. Please wear a mask if you do come, but that's this Thursday at 2 p.m. in the sanctuary. Uh, also, another one I wanted to let you know of if you, if you weren't, uh, hearing this one yet. Donna Eden, uh, our church secretary, her, her mother passed away as well this weekend. Uh, so please reach out to her, pray for her as well, send her a message if uh, you're thinking of her. Uh, and, and before we go on with announcements, I'd like to just say a prayer uh, for them right now. Uh, Heavenly Father, uh, we come to you uh, grieving this morning these losses. Lord, we ask that you would uh, comfort Sylvia, comfort her family, Lord, we ask that as difficult as this is, you would use this loss for the benefit of your kingdom. Help us to remember Leo's faithfulness and let that be an example for us as your church body to be faithful as well. Lord, we lift up Donna and her family to you as well with the loss of her mother. Comfort them. Use this for the sake of your kingdom. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. A couple of announcements uh, to have for you guys this morning. Uh, some of you may have already been getting some church directories, but after the service, uh, we're going to have some people out handing out church directories. Uh, we're asking for $5 for each one, uh, but if you don't have the $5 today, don't worry about it at all. Just take a directory uh, anyways, and you can get the $5 to us any time that you can. We're not really worried about the $5, but get a directory today. Uh, make sure you yeah, grab one from someone who's handing them out after the service. Uh, also, after the service, as, as we've been announcing, we're having our, our care day today or our love one another day. Uh, Deanna has uh, put some cards together. She did really great work on this. Um, she put some cards together for some people who could use some kindness and love for us. So after the service, uh, if you'd like to take a card, you can drive by uh, and she will hand you a card. And on that card, you'll have the name of a person and uh, an address will be on there. And at some point today, uh, just take them a meal. Uh, you can take them some cookies, a cake. Uh, uh, Jordan mentioned you could take them a scarf if you'd like. Uh, he even said a kitten, uh, if that's something they might be interested in. Um, uh, but what, whatever you want to do, just let them know that you're thinking of them and that you love them. Uh, let them know our congregation is thinking of them. And uh, so that's why we want to do this. Whatever you want to bring them, you can, you can take over to them. There's no specific expectation. Uh, they don't know that this is happening, so they don't have an expectation for what you bring. Uh, just bring whatever you can and, and show them some love. Also, maybe give them a call. Uh, since, you're, you know, with the virus, we can't go in and sit down with them. Just give them a call and talk to them. Ask how they're doing. Say a prayer for them. Uh, this is a neat opportunity. Um, also, thanks to Deanna again for, for putting this together. Uh, and that's all the announcements I have. I'll turn it over to Jordan. Uh, good to see you as well. Just let me know you can hear me all right, can you? Perfect. Done. Done. I've got a, all right, all right. Uh, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I've got uh, two things to add for you this morning. Um, we have a family who's coming forward to be voted on for membership. 
uh, is one, and then another um, this week, uh, Pat S- uh, Simons will be baptized. So uh, we'll have, what? You're not getting any? You on the right station? You are. Thanks, Dave. Y'all come on over. Um, we have a baptism this week. Pat Simons is going to be baptized in our baptistry during the week. And so uh, that's going to be a small operation. You get right here is just fine. <laughs> That'll be a small operation uh, given COVID and all. Uh, but uh, you'll be able to at least see a picture of that and celebrate uh, another one being baptized this week. And uh, this, however, is the Graham family. So this is David and Ruthie Graham and two of their four children, uh, Riley and Josh, who are here to uh, ask to be members by transfer of letter. Uh, they've recently moved back to Aiken, though our longtime uh, Aiken folks. And so congregation, if you will accept the Graham family, please honk your horn. <laughs> Welcome, you guys. Y'all can go back. Did you get, oh, Trevor has to take a photo of you real quick. Would, you could take a photo, too. <laughs> Thank you, guys. And, uh, wonderful to have you as members. Um, we'll, have, uh, we'll have information uh, for the Graham family out in the newsletter this next week, so you can reach out to them and welcome to the congregation. Uh, let me say one prayer for us for worship now, and let's begin. Father God, oh, what a joy to gather in your spirit. Oh, what a joy to worship you together. Father, I pray that even now you would be with us, that you would teach us, that you would receive our time, our songs, the attitudes of our heart as worshipful to you. I pray that you would remove all distractions from our mind, from our heart, and pray that you would give us the strength even now to confess what needs to be confessed so that we can lift up holy hands in worship. In fact, congregation, just take a moment right now. And if there's anything that you need to confess, I just want to give you guys an opportunity to, as Scripture tells us to, leave your sacrifice at the altar for just a moment and get your heart right before God. If there's anything you need to confess, take a moment and silently confess it to Him. And make a commitment to repent as we begin worship now. Father God, we know and we believe that when we are faithful to confess and repent, that you are faithful to forgive. And if we're forgiven, then now we can lift up holy hands, holy hearts and voices in worship purified by the blood of Christ. So teach us and speak to us and receive our worship because we love you so much. And this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The passage that we're looking at together today is Acts chapter 13, verses 1 through 4. Now, we're operating in an unusual way, but not without precedent and obviously in no way handicapped, uh, as our service demonstrates today. The gospel's proclaimed, we gathered in the Spirit, we are going to go out and minister to the needs of those who are unable to. Uh, Nothing slows us down. 
And so today what I want to do is look at a passage that talks about what makes a church. I might suggest to you today that a church is two things. One, uh, what we are, a covenanted group of believers, a group of people who have gathered together, not just willy-nilly, but who have gathered together in covenant. The sign of the covenant being baptism, we are baptized suggesting that we both believe that Jesus died and rose again and that we believe his death was good enough to wash our sins from us, but also that our baptism demonstrates we are making a commitment to leave the old life behind as if it's buried and that we're going to go live a new life in Christ. And this is the covenant that we have together, that we believe and that we are going to obey Christ and that we're going to do it as one group of body, uh, as one body grouped together, all of us brought together by this common confession, faith, and decision to obey Christ for his sake and ours and each other's. But the church is also not just the covenanted community together, but it is how we function together. And that's what our passage is about today, us learning about and reading about what the church is supposed to do. So as we look in Acts chapter 13 here, what we see is the church in Antioch, a group of passionate, devoted believers who are meeting together in the Spirit, and what we learn from them is what they're doing and so what we are supposed to do together. Congregation, join me as I read for you Acts chapter 13, verses 1 through 4. Now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, a close friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. As they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after they had fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them off. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. This is the word of the Lord for us. What they did, this church, is that they gathered together, and they gathered together as an interesting and diverse, dynamic group of people. And in gathering together, they worshipped, they fasted, the Holy Spirit spoke to them, and they obeyed. So, from our passage today, what are we to understand about how their church was, and so how our church is supposed to be? Well, first of all, we are to recognize the glorious, speckled church for what it is. In biology, when you're talking about animals, if you're talking about an animal that has spots in its coat, that it's not completely uniform, but it has a different pattern to it or different spots, you just call it speckled, perhaps mottled. And that's what our congregation is supposed to be, not necessarily uniform. We are uniform in our confession. And we are uniform in our obedience to Christ, but we're not a uniform group of people. When you read this list, 
the group, even the short amount of names that are listed, are listed for our sake so we can know the diversity that is meeting in this small town church. There are people from different nations, from different cities, from different regions. There are people who have Greek names, and there are people who have Hebrew names. The cultural difference is not small, and in many cases, divided many churches early on. But here they were all gathered together and gathered together by one confession that Jesus Christ is Lord and gathered together by one purpose to obey Christ and worship him only. And in the context of this, they heard the Holy Spirit speaking to them. You see, Paul talks regularly about how the church is supposed to be a unified body. But it doesn't mean a homogenous body. You know, to gather up together in Christ means that we are no longer Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, Paul says, but we are all one in Christ. And yet, those differences don't just disappear. To become a Christian, of course, doesn't mean that you give up your job that you have, and it doesn't mean that you give up being male or female. Neither does it mean if you're from some other part of the country like I am, you give up your accent, what you call things. I was still, after living out here for five years, talking to someone yesterday, and they didn't know what I was talking about when I said my son was covered in stickers and I had to pick them off him. Because stickers here are sand spurs, and I still haven't gotten the language down completely right. We all have different things that we like and bring our cultural expectations, and we don't have to leave those behind. That's not what unites us. Of course, any group of people gathered together long enough kind of develops their own language and their own memories, their own way of eating, and so their own culture begins to develop. And sure enough, we don't have to have kind of a fake vanilla culture uh, that doesn't mean anything. We as a church, like every church, are free to be specifically our kind of church and to do things our kind of way in Christ. And yet, we are also expected to and should rejoice at welcoming every kind of person without expecting them to become homogenous or just like us. Rather, only expecting them to join us in believing and join us in obeying. And so, join us in the worshipful life in Christ. So first, we are to recognize how glorious is the speckled church, the church of diversity and differences. And second, we are to expect the Spirit to speak and to lead. Our understanding of this passage is not, we should not see this as a rare occurrence, It shouldn't be like everyone in the church was suddenly surprised that the Holy Spirit was speaking to them. Go, no, this is a one-time occurrence and you don't expect this. Rather, we are to expect that this is what is normal and normative for that church and for this church. That when we are gathered together in obedience, in faith, in worship, we are to expect that the Holy Spirit will lead us and guide us that the Holy Spirit will speak to us. So, dear congregation, let us expect the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us, and not be surprised at that, but be expectant that he will reveal his will and direction for us. With a few things that I'd like to say about that. First, 
this doesn't mean when some people think about a spirit-led church, they think that we've got to be really exciting or a little out of hand, uh, running around a little bit, maybe shaking some. Uh, that Holy Spirit for some people will mean sort of charismatic and excited. But that's not necessarily what I read here. It's especially not what you read in the expectations for the rest of Scripture in the New Testament church. Paul himself, who is here and sent off by this church, says to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, that everything that the congregation does together needs to be done orderly. Because our God is an orderly, organized God. Our God is one who does not create chaos, but rather ordered the universe and ordered creation, the world, just so. And so likewise, we have room in our worship for change, for differences, but it's still done in an orderly way. We know what's going to happen, and this is pleasing to an orderly God. The Holy Spirit leads us into an orderly pursuit after God. This is why we're a congregation that has rules and bylaws that we approve together by this Holy Spirit. But we see this as a part of our act of worship, worshiping in in an orderly way, a spirit-led orderly way. Another thing to speak about when the Holy Spirit, when we're talking about being led by the Holy Spirit, is I want to prepare you, congregation, that there will be times in your life in which you feel like you're led by the Holy Spirit, and you're incorrect. Now, this happens to all of us, and the reason why I want you to prepare for this is because if you're a newer believer and you feel like God is calling you to something, and then you find out later that you are incorrect, or God is revealing you something, and you're incorrect, I don't want this to diminish your faith. The problem is that we are all still broken and fallen, and we get it wrong sometimes. It's not to say that the Holy Spirit is wrong in his leadership or guidance. It's to say that every single one of us at some time may feel strongly that God is telling us or calling us something, but we were incorrect. One excellent example of this is George Whitfield, the great evangelist who essentially was the first great awakening. Whitfield himself preached continuously everywhere in England and throughout colonial America. And thousands and thousands were saved through his testimony and through his witness. An incredibly powerful preacher and a gift to the church, and God bless him. But Whitfield tells a story one time where he could have sworn God was giving him a message, and it turned out he was wrong. Whitfield had a young son who was born, and as was right, Whitfield was awfully proud of this young son. And in holding that infant baby for the first time, Whitfield just felt certain that the Holy Spirit was telling him that this son of his was going to be a great preacher, far greater than he was. And so that he needed to do the work of raising this boy up properly in ministry so that this boy could fulfill, fulfill his calling. And Whitfield was just adamant. He knew, he wrote in his journal, that that's what the Holy Spirit was saying. And yet, tragically, this son of his passed away at four months old. And besides grieving his son, Whitfield also had this moment where he had to go back and think. Where he felt so certain the Spirit was calling him to something. But he was incorrect at that moment. The good news for us is we don't have to live questioning 
the Spirit's guidance in our life. Because God has given us several tools, several other things by which to guide us. And here they are. The first thing that as the Spirit is guiding us and we are to expect the Holy Spirit to move us forward, the first tool that we have to make sure we understand the Spirit clearly is the Word, the Word of God. You see, the Spirit is never contrary to the Word, as Christ is never contrary to the Spirit or the Spirit to Christ. But God is always together, working together perfectly. So if we have the Word of God in front of us in Scripture, and we have the Spirit of God with us, guiding us, we know that the Spirit of God will not lead us contrary to the Word, but with the Word in the same way. And this way you will know one way and be able to test whether or not this is the Holy Spirit guiding you or not. Another way that we'll be able to know is we have each other. You understand that it's not that the Holy Spirit spoke to a person in this church in Antioch, but that the Holy Spirit spoke to the entire church together. This is why we are together and have each other. To be able to go up to a brother and sister in Christ and say, I need you to pray for me because I think the Spirit's calling me to do this, but I'm not certain and I've been wrong about other things in my life, so you pray too. And you tell me if you think Spirit's calling me to this or not. To gather together as a congregation and say, dear congregation, I think the Holy Spirit's calling me to do this work. But would you all pray as well? And in this way, be able to tell me yes and affirm or no. This is not, we, still we affirm you, we love you. But no, we don't know that this is what the Holy Spirit's calling for you at this moment. And in this way... We are submissive to each other all together as a congregation, as this is the way the Holy Spirit speaks to the gathered body. There's another way that the Spirit speaks to us. And this is in our devotion to the Word and to the worship of God and to fasting that it becomes all the clearer how God wants to lead us. So on that, let us first, again, recognize how glorious these speckled, gathered, different, but one in confession church is. Let us, too, expect that the Holy Spirit will lead us and guide us. And then let us, number three, do the work of the church together. And what is the work of the church that we're supposed to do? Well, just as this church does, the work of the church is to worship our God. And so, by all means, let us worship our God in every way we can. To worship our God means to lift our voices in praising Him. I look forward to when we can all gather together uh, as one in one sanctuary and hear each other. It's possible that you today are excited that you got to sing out loud as loud as you could, but in the confines of your car, <laughs> so others couldn't hear. But either way, and whatever the sound comes out, we are called to lift our voices in worshiping him, and so let us do this. Though, of course, our worship goes far beyond our voices. 
Let us, yes, worship the Lord in song with our voice, but also worship him with our voice by proclaiming that Jesus Christ is Lord to everyone we meet. Even this morning, I got to hear from one of our members who felt called by the Spirit this morning to go and tell someone the good news and invite them to church with us. Let us use our voices for worship at all times. Let us further worship in every way. In addition to worshiping, we are called to fasting. So if you saw the pastor show on Friday, we, uh, we put out a third episode of the pastor show. Uh, and I said that the spiritual activity for this week will be a fast. And even if you didn't see it, that's okay, because I'm telling you now. Uh, we have several times, though we don't do it often enough, I think, had a congregation-wide fast. And so I'd like for us to take some time and do this this Monday, tomorrow, if it's possible for you. Now, don't feel bad if for health reasons you're unable to participate or for work reasons you're unable to fast tomorrow. You can pick it up on Tuesday or Wednesday. But I, for as many of us who can and are willing, let's take the day tomorrow and fast. Now, Christian fasting generally means, and what I mean for you, is that we would refrain from eating for the day. So have dinner tonight and then not again till breakfast on Tuesday. You might be tired, you might be low blood sugar, but again, if you're healthy and not dealing with a medical condition, you ought to also be all right. And what this means, this refraining from food for the day, it doesn't make us more spiritual than someone else who didn't. But it does give us an opportunity to devote ourselves to God, to spend some time in prayer, and to declare in one more way that we understand what it is to crave something. But to say to our God, more than anything, what we crave is you. It gives us an opportunity to think about, to contemplate and meditate on what it means that Jesus is our sustainer. He is the bread of life for us and the life giver to us. It gives us an opportunity to grow in our own self-control as we devote our whole lives to God. And frequently it gives us an opportunity to hear more acutely from the Spirit as He is speaking to us. Let us do this tomorrow. Let us have a day Though I hope you fast somewhat regularly in your own Christian life and individually and quietly and secretly, let us declare one congregation-wide that tomorrow, whether out of grief at those who have passed on or how troubled the days are right now, out of hope and rejoicing at how good our God is and how assured his promises are, how wonderful it is to continue to be a part of the congregation of God in all circumstances for whatever reason and however you're spending your time today devoted in prayer, in fasting, and in meditation on scripture. Let us do this together tomorrow. I'll send out either tonight or early in the morning a bit of a guide for you through email. Some prayers you can pray, some scripture passages you can examine, some things that you can think about and people you can remember. But I'll, I'll send you out some kind of guide. One way or another, though, let our activity be this, fasting and devotion to God tomorrow. Another thing that the church does here, so they're worshiping, they're listening to the Spirit, they're fasting together, 
But another thing that they're doing is they respond to the call of the Holy Spirit is that they are laying hands on people and sending them off to do the work of God. So if we are going to be a church that acts properly as a church, then we are going to have to be a church that is sending people off. This church, Antioch, after sending Paul off, after sending Barnabas off, they don't know if they're ever even going to get to see these people again who are members of their community, but they're sending off, hoping to get to see again, but maybe not, knowing that they're not going to see regularly, but they're doing it for the sake of the proclamation of the gospel in a lost world. This is what the church is for, and a right church will be regularly following the Holy Spirit and sending people off for this kind of worship. Just as the purpose of a marriage and having children is to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth, we're to understand that the purpose of having children is to fill the earth with the worship of God. And so our hope as parents, as we have children, is that these children would leave at some point, but leave at some point for the purpose of building families of their own and proclaiming that Jesus Christ is risen wherever they end up in the world and wherever God leads them. So likewise, as a church, our hope is not just to gather together, but our hope is to send off. And this is what we must do. Even this week, congregation, we'll be sending off on Tuesday two of our members. Uh, as Roxanne Turnipseed is headed back to the children's home she started in Honduras, and Mary Snelling is going along with her, following the calling of the Holy Spirit. Congregation, as these are unsafe times to be traveling, let us be in prayer for these two who are so dear to us as we send them off with grief and with rejoicing because of the good work that they are going to be able to do. Let us be in constant prayer for these ones, but recognize that this was always going to be our work to send off those who are dear friends of ours and in the covenant with us. I also like to keep in mind for us all that when we brought Trevor and Laura Burrow to this church, we brought them to the church for the purpose of someday sending them off. Now, I hope that day is not soon. And uh, I have talked to Trevor this past week and can confirm for you, they're not planning on going anywhere just yet. Uh, in the same way, there will be grief in my heart when God calls them on, but that was always the purpose was to help contribute to somebody who had a calling so that with tears and with joy, we could send them off at just the right time, just as Paul and Barnabas are being sent off by the Antioch church today in our passage. We must be a church that is worshiping, that is fasting, that is submitting and listening to the Holy Spirit, and we must be a church that is sending off. And the, the work of sending off is not, it's not, as some might hope or expect, it's not getting rid of the people that you like the least. Sending off is the work of taking those who are dear and dear and dear to your heart and sending them off for the sake of what is even dearer, that other people could come to know Jesus Christ as Lord just as we have. Sending off is a hard work but it's a holy work, and it must be our constant work together. Another thing that they do in sending off is the laying on of hands. 
the laying on of hands is a congregation's declaration that we concur that the Holy Spirit is calling this person or these people. And so when we lay hands on people, we don't do it regularly and all the time, but when we do this, it is an affirmation of that person's calling. Uh, we, as a congregation, voted on a few new deacons like we do every year. Uh, a few weeks ago, back in January, we voted on some new deacons and we would have had deacon ordination and installation uh, last Sunday, but it was raining, and so we put it off until next Sunday, so happy Valentine's Day, we'll install some new deacons, but provided that the weather's good, we'll have our deacons down front, our current ones, so you can get a look at them and see who they are in case you've forgotten, but also the three new ones that you voted to bring on. I say this to you every year, but you guys always pick excellent, patient, calm, peace-loving, peacemaking deacons. And this year, with the three who are coming on, one of them, Jerry Webb, has served as a deacon here before and as a co-chairman of the deacons before. One of them, Grant Summerford, has been a deacon at another Baptist church, though not at this one. And then one of them still, Chad Cooper, has not yet been ordained as a deacon. And so for Chad, as we in ordain him as well as install him, you've already voted to say, yes, we believe he ought to be a deacon for us. But we will, at least one of us, given COVID, will lay hands on him. The laying on of hands is symbolic for all of us that we acknowledge this is your calling. We are with you in this. We concur with you. When we ordain a person for mission work, for ministry work, for the pastorate, as a deacon, we lay hands on them and it is our acknowledgement that says, yes, it's not just you saying God is calling you to this, but all of us are concurring that God is calling you to this. So, church, in preaching this passage, you'll recognize that I don't have to preach at you much on these points because you already do these things so well. I simply remind you of them. This is what we are supposed to be doing. And so long as we do these things, we will be one of Christ's church obedient to the Spirit. And so we are continuing to do these things. Let us rejoice that God has redeemed sinners like us and brought us in by his spirit, by that calling into his church and then sent us off by that same spirit and calling. Let us worship him in one voice and in one accord or in one Chevrolet, am I right? I was trying to work in the Honda Accord joke since we're in cars today, but I don't know if anyone's actually driving an Accord this morning. So anyway, let us worship him in one voice and one Accord, even from different windshields. Let us obey him together. Let us join in fasting together. Let us join in sending off our beloved members together. Let us join in laying on of hands, blessing and affirming the calling of the Holy Spirit in each other's lives. And let us join in proclaiming that Jesus Christ is Lord until he comes again. If you're new to this, then first you need to put your trust in Jesus Christ as Lord. It is as simple as saying personally to him today, Jesus, I will follow and obey you. I believe 
that your death on the cross paid for all of my sins. I would have you as my Lord if you will let me. To everyone who comes to him today, he will receive you. And then after that, come and be baptized. A baptism being the public declaration that I have made this commitment. And I would join in with the rest of you in worshiping Jesus Christ till he comes again. For anyone who's made this decision, for anyone who needs to cry out to God, then come and be baptized as well. We can find a day, any day, for you to be baptized. We can take a picture so you can show it to other people and allow it to be public in that way. But let us proclaim Christ. Let us gather in Christ and let us worship Jesus Christ, our Lord. Father God, I thank you that you are so patient with us. I thank you that you allow us to keep doing the good ministry work. And I pray that you would speak to our congregation as we pray and as we fast. And I pray that you would speak to our congregation as we worship, as we lay hands, and as we send off. I pray that you would bless our work, that we could, as a church, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth with the praises of Jesus Christ, our Lord. And this I pray in your name. Amen.